1: 1700 hours Central African time, good evening and welcome to Africa Digest on channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. We are coming to you from Johannesburg in South Africa and our frequency 9625 kHz on the 31 meter band to southern Africa. Hello, my name is Uspumela Zondi, and I am with Onel Ntinti, Wisane Matebula and Musibudi Makura. Let's take a look at the top stories. The military in Burkina Faso takes to the airwaves, confirming that a coup has taken place. South Sudan sanctioning its military chief will not help to to the peace process. In economics, Nigerian central bank governor rules out a Naira devaluation. And in sports, the world awaits a start of the 2015 World Cup in rugby. But first, the news with Onel Nt-Nt.
2: Thank you, Spoo. And looking at your latest news, at least 100 people are reported to have been killed in South Sudan when a crowd tried to gather fuel from an old tanker that had veered off the road outside the capital, Juba. The tanker exploded and hordes of people were drawing off petrol from the vehicle. The incident took place as the truck was travelling to South Sudan's western Equatorial region. Police say about 50 people are seriously injured. Furthermore, the South Sudan has warned the United Nations Security Council against sanctioning its military chief, saying it will not help the peace process. This follows a failed attempt by the U.S. to convince the U.N. Security Council that the South Sudan Army Chief Paul Malong should have his assets frozen alongside another general from the rebel faction.
3: The South Sudan government has spoken strongly against the idea of sanctioning its military chief, Paul Malong, as the Deputy Foreign Affairs Minister for South Sudan, Peter Bashir, explains.
4: We are constructively engaging our international partners. We are also engaging in the UN. I was talking to our partners, the Americans and the Troika in general, because uh, there's one fact which I want to state very clearly, and uh, that uh, if there is anybody who should be given credit, For supporting the president's signature to this uh, compromise peace agreement, it's General Malong.
3: Although the sanctions against the chief military officer of South Sudan Army has been held for now, there is a high probability of it being revisited again for discussion.
2: Military forces allied with Libya's self declared government in Tripoli say they have captured a Russian flagged oil tanker and its crew trying to smuggle oil from the port of Zawara. A senior official with Tripoli Allied Naval Forces, Tawik Alskis, says 11 Russian crew had been detained and taken to Tripoli port. All port and fields are often caught up in the conflict for control of assets in the North African OPEC state. The United Nations is trying to negotiate an end to the conflict. And finally, Niger's health workers are in a relentless fight to save children in the semi-desert country. UNICEF reports the country has the worst infant mortality rate in Africa at 127 deaths per 1,000 births. Cases of malaria and severe diarrhea have clearly diminished since last year, and serious pneumonia cases have pretty much disappeared. According to UNICEF, health indexes have improved significantly in the past five years. For Channel African News, I'm Oni
1: It's 17.04 Central African Time. Thank you very much, Onelle, for that update. Remember that you're listening to Africa Digest right here on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. My name is Spomele Lezondi. I'm going to be with you until 1,800 hours Central African Time. Let's start in Burkina Faso. The African continent woke up to the news of a coup d'etat by the military in Burkina Faso just weeks before elections. The announcement aired on national television and radio said the transitional government was dissolved and the interim president was no longer in power. A curfew was declared and borders were closed. Birkita Faso's transitional president, Michel Cafando, and Prime Minister Lieutenant Colonel Yakuba Isaac Zida were arrested just weeks before the country holds elections to replace its long-serving leader, Blaise Compaore who was ousted in a popular uprising last year. To talk to us more about this, we're joined on the line by Professor Shadrach Guto. He is the director for the Center for African Renaissance Studies at the University of South Africa, that is UNISA. Hello and welcome to Channel Africa, Professor. Uh,
5: good afternoon
1: to you. Uh, mm. uh, uh, Professor Guto, our line is not very clear. Um, could I just ask you to move around a little bit? Okay, um, uh, Professor, uh, Maybe if it's we can it's not quite getting better. Maybe we will come back. We'll uh, we'll
5: move around
1: a bit. All right, maybe we will come back to this item. The line is not is getting All right. Hello? Um the Professor Kuto, maybe if you can just tell us, coups seem to be the order of the day in Africa, especially in um in Francophone Africa. Why is this?
5: Well, I think we are having a problem. Not all of our countries, we have countries such as Senators that have had electric democracy for a long time. since independence. so it is not all of them. All right,
1: Professor Guto, we... Professor Guter. We, We probably are going to have to get you back on the line. Our line is not the best of lines. It actually is very terrible, and we're going to get you back on the line, and we're going to tackle this issue in a few minutes. All right, that's Professor Shadra Kut. We're going to get him back in a few minutes to talk about the coup, the second place, and coups in Africa in general, in, um, around the continent. Now, the South Sudan has warned the United Nations Security Council against sanctioning its military chief, saying it will not help the peace process. This follows a failed attempt by the U.S. to convince the United Nations Security Council that the South Sudan Army Chief Paul Malong should have his assets frozen alongside another general. From the rebel faction, Koletta Wanjohi reports.
3: The United Nations Security Council met this week to discuss the conflict in South Sudan. Key on agenda was the issue of sanctions. On the table for consideration was an idea supported by the United States that sanctions be imposed on two military generals from both the government and the rebel factions of South Sudan. The United States had suggested that the chief of the South Sudan military army, Paul Malong be sanctioned alongside General Johnston Olwon from the rebel faction for continuing to fuel the conflict in South Sudan. Russia and Angola reportedly opposed this during the meeting and the sanctions were put on hold. The South Sudan government has spoken strongly against the idea of sanctioning its military chief Paul Malong as the Deputy Foreign Affairs Minister for South Sudan Peter Bashir explains.
4: We are constructively engaging our international partners. We are also engaging in the UN at uh, the personal level, I was talking to our partners, the Americans and the Troika in general, because uh, there's one fact which I want to state very clearly, and uh, that uh, if there is anybody who should be given credit for supporting the president's signature to this uh, compromise peace agreement, it's General Malong. And uh, for such a man who, who, who actually supported the the, the peace process in South Sudan uh, uh, we expect him to be rewarded uh, positively not negatively
3: although the sanctions against the chief military officer of South Sudan army has been held for now this does not mean that it has been put off there is a high probability of it being revisited again for discussion Russia reportedly accused the United States of being ready to give sanctions without thinking of its negative effects while Angola suggested that time be given to the two parties to implement the peace deal they have just signed. Peter Bashir Bandi, the deputy foreign affairs minister for South Sudan, says that sanctioning South Sudan at this moment will not do anything to help the implementation of the peace agreement that the two warring parties signed in August this year.
4: Now we believe we are on the, on, the, on the right track and what we need is support to the South, to South Sudan Uh, We do understand the concerns of the international community, we do understand the concerns of our partners, but I think the right thing for them to do is to support the people of South Sudan, to support the government, to support the president for his uh, initiative to sign this peace agreement and and we take this opportunity to reiterate our commitment as a government, the commitment, the personal commitment of the president and uh, even the personal commitment of the chief of staff of the army because he really encouraged the president and supported him to sign the, the agreement. So what we need is support from the UN, what we need is support from the international partners and, and not, not, not really uh, sanctions at this, this crucial stage.
3: The United States is also pushing for an arms embargo against South Sudan. Sanctions against South Sudan individuals, basically military officers, from both the government and the rebel factions have been imposed before by the United States and Europe in a bid to cease the fighting in South Sudan, but they seemed to have backfired. The United Nations Security Council created a sanctions regime against South Sudan in March 2015, which it has threatened to use against the spoilers of peace in the country. Kole Joy for Channel Africa Radio in Ethiopia's capital, Addis Ababa.
1: Right, let's go back to our top stories on the coup that's taken place in Burkina Faso. Now, the African continent woke up to news of a coup d'état by the military in Burkina Faso just weeks before the elections. The announcement aired on national television and radio said the transitional government was dissolved and the interim president was no longer in power. A curfew was declared and borders were closed. Burkina Faso's transitional president Michel Kafando and Prime Minister Lieutenant Colonel Yakuba. Isak Zida were arrested just weeks before the country holds elections to replace its long serving leader, Blaise Kompawore, who was ousted in a popular uprising last year. To talk to us more on this issue, we're joined by Professor Shetra Kuto, who is the director for the Center for African Renaissance Studies at the University of South Africa. Now uh, Professor Guto, uh, before we experience that bad line, you are telling us about coups in Africa. Why are these happening so often?
5: The coups happen in Africa, first of all, because of factional, ethnic, tribal uh, differences, but also uh, people being supported from outside of Africa. It is not just internal. There are also external forces that want regimes that are compliant to their dictates and so on. So it's complex uh, in that regard. But it's important um, to underline here that Burkina Faso in particular has been going through crisis after crisis. Uh, uh, We had the overthrow of uh, a very popular leader, uh, Thomas Sankara, by, uh, you know, Blouse, who was then removed last year by popular uprising. At the moment, what is difficult here is that this is a real coup. It's not like last year when Blouse uh, was removed by popular uprising. This is a coup, and therefore violate the African uh, Constitutive Act of the African Union, which says very clearly that... Uh, any change of government through unconstitutional means means the country will not participate in the affairs of the union, but also there could be interventions by the Africans uh, through the Peace and Security Council.
1: Um, you should, in Africa, Um, should we expect coups to be happening? Hello? Um, I am here. Can you hear me, Professor Guto? All right, it doesn't seem Hello? like... It doesn't seem like Professor Shedra Kuto can hear us. Um, And we are, again, for another time, going to try and get him back on the line. We can hear him, but he seems to be struggling to hear us.
0: This is Africa Digest.
1: All right, we'll go on to, we will come back to to that interview with Professor Shatrak Guter again um, as he was telling us about coups in Africa and that coup in particular in Burkina Faso and he's saying that this seems worse than last year and it seems to be um, a real coup as opposed to... um, What happened last year? Those are his observations. Now, the Democratic Republic of Congo President Joseph Kabila has shocked both his Minister of Planning, Oliver Kamitatu, and Pierre Lumbi, one of his advisors. The two men are from a seven-people group of the presidential majority who have written a letter asking Kabila to respect the DRC constitution and make sure he doesn't remain in office after his last term. Jean-Noel Bamwense reports from Kinshasa.
6: The letter from the group of seven has come as a bomb into the ears of the other members of the presidential majority. They describe it as a mean of self-exclusion. Among the other issues, the seven representing different political parties have condemned the decision of parliament to have covered this country into 26 provinces and the injunction from the constitutional court for the electoral commission to review the electoral calendar. As a consequence, both the Minister of Planning, Oliver Kamitatu, and Pierre Lumbi, an advisor to President Joseph Kabila, have been sacked, but one of the seven believes politics is not a space for everybody to just say yes. Gabriel Kyungu We have given suggestions according to our activities within the majority and since we mustn't be yes-men in politics, we have expressed our views on this country's current events such as the respect of constitution and the electoral calendar As we are reporting now all of the seven political parties have been removed from the list of the presidential majority members. The political situation is not really good here indeed, although the electoral process is underway. Meanwhile, the UN mission here in the Democratic Republic of Congo believes people have the right to express their views on issues of general interest and that everybody should respect the constitution.
7: Felix Bass is Monusco spokesperson. Monusco has always advocated the respect of the constitution because this is fundamental. We are monitoring and uh, we think also that uh, this is a dynamic process because uh, people have the right to express uh, their views regarding uh, issues on general interest. Monusco is uh, following up, and as we said, if uh, all parties request our uh, support or our interaction in order to facilitate the creation of a uh, peaceful political space, or uh, if the parties uh, request our bonds office, Monusco is ready to fully implement its mandate, which is facilitating a peaceful process for the upcoming election. MONUSCO is just calling on all the Congolese authorities to tell them, you have signed some engagements. Just let's fulfill our responsibilities. The fundamental law should be respected,
6: period. Last February, the Independent National Electoral Commission released an electoral calendar according to which a seven election series is to be held here both this year and next year. The series is to start by provincial and local elections on October 25th and it has to be concluded by presidential and parliamentary elections that are expected on November 27th next year. The UN mission has said it's monitoring and stands ready to bring its assistance. Monusco spokesperson Felix Bass believes that the mission is doing its best for this country to organize peaceful, transparent and credible elections.
7: It is a calendar provided by the Seni in February and uh, I believe uh, a lot of uh, discussions are going on regarding the implementation of that calendar and MONUSCO as I said is monitoring, is following up and are standing ready to provide all needed assistance required on this issue. And uh, as I say, we are determined to accompany the process. First of all, we're interacting with the international community in order to mobilize uh, enough funds to support or help the government of DRC, but we also interacting with uh, all the political leaders, the civil society, in order to create the conditions of peaceful, transparent, credible elections. That's indeed
6: these elections everybody's waiting for, although so many people we've spoken to remain doubtful as far as organizing such elections on time is concerned. Jean-Noel Bamweze, Channel Africa, Kinshasa.
1: Remember that you can give us feedback on Jean-Noel Bamwenz's story and any other story, really, you can find us on social media. We are on Channel Africa 1 on Twitter. That's Channel Africa Numerical 1 on Twitter. You can also send us emails info at channelafrica.co.za That's info at channelafrica.co.za Now let's go back to that interview with Professor Shatrak Guto on the coup d'etat that's taken place in Burkina Faso as um, Africa woke up to the news that there was a coup that took place in um, Burkina Faso this morning and that's after a coup that took place last year when President Blaise Compaoré was ousted. Now, uh, Professor Kuto, you were telling us about um, the fact that uh, Burkina Faso has experienced um, a crisis after crisis. Could we expand on that?
5: Well, um, I think the crisis started when, um, not really started, but Came to the service when uh, there was an overthrow of the previous government by those who regarded themselves as leftist um, uh, soldiers, I mean, from the lower ranks led by Thomas Sankara. Thomas Sankara and uh, uh, Blaise Kompaure were together, and then Kompaure came later on really to. Uh, uh, deposed and removed Thomas Ankara And I think that's when uh, uh, Burkina Faso really started shifting slowly to the right. But then Kompahoua uh, ruled for a very long time until he was removed by popular uprising last year. And when he was removed, that was not a coup cool d'etat. It was really people's power, removing a dictator, an autocrat, and so on, and uh, there were no serious consequences from the rest of Africa. This time around, this is a coup d'etat. And uh, coup d'etat, or change by go- government through armed, uh, you know, overthrow of the government, is uh, contrary or violates the core principles and objectives of the African Union. In Another one saying that, you know, anyone who comes to power through unconstitutional means, and this is coming to power through unconstitutional means, that country will not be allowed to participate in the affairs of the African Union. So immediately from today on, uh, the government, Burkina Faso, will not be able to participate in the affairs of the African Union. But the African Union will also follow up, or is under obligation to follow up, to intervene, and ensure that uh, uh, the regime that is taken over power through unconstitutional means, uh, if there's any violence in the country uh, that may lead to serious crimes, the AU has responsibility to intervene. So it's a sad day for Africa, not just for, for Burkina Faso, but we hope that there is no serious violence that will take place No crimes will be committed, and the regime that has come up will vacate the office so that people can choose their leader in Burkina Faso.
1: Why do you think this happened weeks before elections?
5: Yes, the way it has happened uh, partly is because I think that maybe the uh, background and preparation for the elections uh, did not take account of the... Uh, an easy piece that has been there since last year. And I think that is important uh, to be taken into account. But the other is whether to say uh, does Blau uh, Kampore have people within the army that have carried this out, and where is he and should be held accountable wherever he's hiding. So I think that uh, the conditions were not Uh, ripe or perfect for holding of elections. but uh, And elections should not just be held for the sake of it. Uh, The conditions must be those where there's peace, security, proper technical arrangements on registration of voters, education of voters, independent electoral commission, and so on. And I don't think that all of these were in place.
1: And now should we expect things to get worse? Because we do know that this is a country that has a history of coup d'etats.
5: Um, at the moment, we are far away and uh, the details are not out yet. But I believe that as Burkina Faso starts to move forward from today, there ought to be very, very serious engagement by the Africa Union and by Echowulf, uh, really to ensure that there is uh, justice and reconciliation before people move forward. And uh, simply going to elections without really dealing with the underlying tensions in the country and divisions will not help.
1: Um, You did mention earlier that the Burkina Faso will now not be able to participate in the affairs of the African Union. Um, Could you just maybe if you can tell us what the African Union in the past with um, other countries, what the African Union has done um, when a country has experienced a coup d'etat, and what happens immediately thereafter, and what happens then in the medium term?
5: There are two things that the African Union can do. First is of course uh the country suspends itself from participating in the affairs of the African Union immediately from today onwards or from the time that the coup took place. And that means that uh even Burkina people who are within the bureaucracy of the AU May have to be removed from from there because some of them were, you know, are political appointees by their governments and so on. So that's the first thing, not to participate in the uh, affairs of the African Union. I think uh, Ecowas may do the same, and by that it means isolating the people who are in power through unconstitutional means. The second is to be able to assess. Uh, you know, uh, and to impose personal or rather targeted embargo on the people who have assumed power through unconstitutional means. The third would be one of trying to find a way forward, having proper time frames within which the country can move back to uh, uh, towards civilian rule and through the elections. And that will be a longer period, but it has to be guided and standards set.
1: Professor goto the narrative of Africa internationally in the last couple of years has been that of Africa rising. Um, what do these coups do for the image of Africa now?
5: Um, I don't think it is just the image of Africa. Africa ought to move forward, not just in order to create images for anyone. It is our responsibility as Africans to say we need good governance, we need stability, we need peace, we need development, we need regional integration. And I think that uh, these are some of the pillars of what we need to do as Africans, whether that pleases anyone out of Af- uh, you know, outside of Africa or not is not relevant we ourselves must be able to see our responsibility to govern responsibly. And I think that that is where we are. So, yes, the coup d'etat in Burkina Faso uh, is really one of those which is showing that we are not really all of us moving forward in the same direction. There are those who want to take us back to the era of coups and counter-coups and so on, instability and People on the ground are the ones who suffer most, not those who really are at the top. And I think uh, the people, the citizens of Burkina Faso and the citizens of Africa as a whole, we have a collective mm-hmm. responsibility to ensure that we do everything that we can to uh, make sure that uh, Burkina Faso moves back to uh, a constitutional democracy and the people to decide leadership mm-hmm. move. Uh, credible electoral system, not just perfunctory and formal, but real, uh, proper elections in that country.
1: Uh, Professor Guto briefly now um, uh, France or oh, France's president, um, François Hollande has condemned the coup that's second place in Bikina Faso and we do know that Bikina Faso is a former colony of France should former colonies like France in this case get involved in a country that it's used to colonize um, experiences as a coup
5: well any country in the world uh, members of the UN may express themselves about any problem in the country. But France in particular is very problematic in African affairs. Wherever there is a crisis, they are there as part of the activators of what is going on. It happened in Ivory Coast, it happened in uh, uh, several problems that have faced Burkina Faso itself, and uh, wherever there are problems France is always there because it wants to determine uh, uh, the uh, direction that the country is moving in, in particular uh, to allow French economic interests to dominate or to be prioritized in uh, countries that were under uh, French rule uh, in the past. And I think it is uh, France as a paradigm of neo colonial. Uh, hegemony over its former colonies, and we need to deal with that also. So yes, France may make whatever noise it makes, but uh, is it one that is talking about France itself really removing itself from a position of engineering some of these problems uh, on the African continent and creating instability, and for France to compete with everyone who wants to engage with Africa uh, in clear uh, bilateral or trilateral yes. relations or multilateral relations right. that benefit Africa and that creates stability.
1: All right. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor Shedrakuto.
5: You are welcome. Thank you, Nanda Listner.
1: Professor Shedrakuto is the director for the Center for African Renaissance Studies at the University of South Africa. It's time for news headlines here on LNTNT.
2: At least 100 people are reported to have been killed in South Sudan. Bikina Faso's interim president, Michel Akafando, and Prime Minister Isaac Zida, who had been arrested, are set to be released. And military forces allied with Libya's self-declared government in Tripoli capture a Russian-flagged oil tanker and its crew trying to smuggle oil from the port of Zawara. Channel African News, I'm Onilin Sinsi.
1: Your time is 17.32 Central African time. Thank you very much, Annele, for that update. September is Cervical Cancer Awareness Month in South Africa. Although cervical cancer is a preventable disease, thousands of South African women die from this devastating disease every year. Unbelievably, this form of cancer remains the most common female cancer in women who are aged between the ages of 15 and 44. To discuss this further, we're joined on the line by Angela Ferguson from the Dance for a Cure, a non-profit organization. Hello and welcome to Channel Africa, Angela.
8: Thank you very much. Nice to be here.
1: <clears throat> Angela, maybe if you can just tell us what cervical cancer is first.
8: So cervical cancer is caused by a virus called um, HPV, not HRV. HPV, and it attacks the cervix of a woman, which is generally undiagnosed, so it's, it's known as the silent killer. So so what we need to do is then go for our smears regularly to try and have early detection so that you can pick it up and then it's generally a treatable disease. Or even better, we can vaccinate our children to prevent them from getting the disease altogether.
1: Um, why is it necessary to dedicate a whole month to your cervical cancer?
8: I think because... It just doesn't get the, the coverage that it is. I think you speak to people about cervical cancer and they don't even know what it is. They certainly don't know what what it's caused from. They certainly don't know what they could do to prevent it. And yet everybody knows about breast cancer and it's, it's a far more cancer in women in South Africa than breast cancer is. Um, I think also people don't really like to talk about it um, because it, it is sexually transmitted. So it's kind of something that you don't want to talk about, but it's... It, the awareness certainly needs to be there and needs to be raised in our country.
1: Interesting that you say the month is for awareness, but awareness remains low. Why is this?
8: I don't know. I don't know whether it's um, people just, just, again, as I said, don't want to talk about it, or whether people think it's going to happen to somebody else and not to them, or it's linked to the PASMIA that nobody wants to
5: go and do. Um
8: it's just not something that you want to talk about. It's just not—it's not a nice topic, and I, I think people just pretend that it's not happening. And we need to get past that, and we need to make everybody aware just how important the vaccine is, and just how important the pap smear is, and being aware early detection is key. Um,
1: interesting as well that you're talking about the fact that this can be detected if women go for a regular pap smear. Um, but does South Africa possess the means to prevent this form of cancer?
8: Yes, um, I think that uh, very great the, the government has certainly come on board in terms of the vaccine. Um, they are targeting nine-year-old girls, um, mainly because the problem is that large, that they have to have a, a focused criteria in which to start addressing the problem. And um, the ideal time to have the vaccine is before sexual abuse. So at nine years old, we're hoping that that would be a good time to get that vaccine. But there's still a huge amount of girls that have missed that opportunity to, to get the vaccine. And um, people who are, are outside of the catchment um, in the private sector also need to have that vaccine. So, And then in addition to that, in terms of the pap smears, um, the government do allow women every five years to have a free pap smear done at the clinics so that they certainly are trying, and they are trying to raise the levels of awareness as well. Um, So I certainly do believe that there is a lot we could do in our country to prevent it. Um,
1: You speak about a free vaccine. Um, Is that in all public clinics?
8: Sorry, say that again?
1: The vaccine that you're talking about, um, you speak about a free vaccine. Is that in all public clinics?
8: No, it's not all in public clinics. The way the program works, um, because the nature of the vaccine requires that you have two shots of the vaccine over a six-month period, so in month zero you have your first one, and in month six you have your second one. Um, so what they do is they do it through the schools. So all the schools that are public schools, in certain criteria, I think it's outside of model C, they are then um, the, the government goes to those schools and arranges the program to vaccinate the children there.
1: All right, and do you think that we winning the fight against cervical cancer?
8: The statistics don't seem to indicate that we are, but I think if with the rollout of these programs and the rollout of the awareness and the uh, the, uh, the drive towards having the papnias as well, I think we'll see those statistics improve dramatically.
1: Thank you very much for joining us, Angela Ferguson.
8: A big pleasure. Thank you for raising
1: the awareness. Angela Ferguson is from Dance for a Cure, a South African non-profit organization.
7: This is Channel Africa, South Africa's official international public radio station on shortwave, internet and satellite. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja, informing the world about Africa. Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance.
1: Your time is 1738 Central African Time. Send us emails, info at channelafrica.co.za, info at channelafrica.co.za. You can also send us tweets on Channel Africa 1, Channel Africa Numerical 1 on Twitter you still listening to Africa Digest, and my name is Spomelele Zondi. Global Research and Measurement Group Nielsen has released the results of its very first African Prospects Indicator API, a measure of how various sub-Saharan African countries compare. The report explores macroeconomic prospects of business, consumer, and retail factors. Nigeria tops the overall ranking, followed by Cote d'Ivoire and Kenya. reports.
9: Nielsen's survey included 26 sub Saharan African countries, but only nine countries were ranked due to the up to date nature of their economic indicators. The nine countries were Nigeria, Cote d'Ivoire, Kenya, Tanzania, Zambia, Cameroon, Uganda, Ghana, and South Africa, which together account for 71% of the sub Saharan gross domestic product. The charging criteria for the macroeconomic category included size of the economy, growth prospects of the economy, as well as the inflationary pressure. The business prospects category saw business executives who do business around the continent rank each country based on their perceived growth prospects. The consumer prospects category looked at whether retailers believed that spend in their stores is increasing or decreasing. The retail prospects category examined actual retail sales figures in the different countries. Ailsa Wingfield, Head of Content and Marketing for Africa for Nelson,
0: explains how the report came about. So the launch came about, we were looking at how do our investors, potential investors or existing investors from a client point of view, look at opportunities and how do you um, assess those opportunities. And this is traditionally done by using a lot of macroeconomic data, about identify, you know large markets from an um, economy point of view or large consumer markets from a population point of view, which gives you, yes, one way of looking at opportunities across the continent. But certainly, there's many more dimensions to that. So what we wanted to be able to do was bring more dimensions to be able to have a look at how do you really look at tapping into that potential.
9: According to the findings, Nigeria tops the API ranking. It has, however, slipped in terms of the business and retail prospects ranking. An unexpected second is Cote d'Ivoire, which ranks highly on most dimensions. Aisa Wingfield, however, says with this country, the principal prospects for realizing growth will be to concentrate on consumer-related elements like need identification and fulfillment, brand and product awareness, as well as trust and recommendation.
0: Ivory Coast features highly on the ranking from a macroeconomic point of view, from a business point of view. So where investors are saying to us that they are finding Ivory Coast an attractive market to investing, and from a retail perspective, as well, where the retail environment and the retail traders are very confident about the future of the country um, and the outlook for growth. Certainly from a consumer point of view, there's opportunity for consumers or a focus um, to bring products to consumers there. But certainly, again, increasing stability over time, uh, much more investment happening there, um, which has certainly changed the whole environment and made it more open for, for investment. She says the report will be released quarterly. So this is our first Africa Prospects indicator. What we'll be doing is producing and updating the results on a quarterly basis. So we'll be able to track the sentiment on these four dimensions on a quarterly basis. Brian
9: Sun, the operations manager for Africa at Nielsen's, has more on the purpose of the report.
10: What we're trying to do with the Africa Prospects Index is to give our clients one view, across Africa. So what we found is there is there's a lack of information, um, a lack of consistent information across Africa, um, and so we're trying to take all different aspects from macroeconomic to consumer to retailer and combine them into one number so that people who are interested in investing into Africa can have one single source of information that they can turn to to understand Um, what are the prospects on the continent, and how those prospects are evolving over time.
9: He says the findings were generally expected, with a few exceptions.
10: I think overall the findings are generally as expected, with a few exceptions. So one of the biggest ones being that Ivory Coast has come out uh, at the top of the list. I don't think there's any surprises around the big countries like Nigeria, Ghana, Kenya, um, South Africa, probably lower than expected. But I think that's also due to some of the recent... Uh, economic challenges that we've had here uh, in terms of inflation and, and whatnot. I think another surprise for us is that Nigeria actually came, normally speaking everyone thinks of Nigeria as the biggest opportunity in Africa, the biggest GDP, fast growing, um, lots of opportunity, which is true, but I think when you combine all the different indicators, the challenges of actually doing business on the ground um, start to impact Nigeria's overall prospects.
9: According to the report, the picture is not a pretty one for South Africa. The country ranks eighth in three of the categories, macroeconomic factors, business prospects and retail prospects. It moves up slightly in the consumer prospects ranking, coming in at 6th. Overall, South Africa ranks in 9th position. Brian San says South Africa is a different country than the rest of sub-Saharan Africa.
10: I think when we look at a country like South Africa, we just have to keep in mind that when we're looking at these prospects, South Africa is a very different country than the rest of sub-Saharan Africa. Um, So when we think about it, while it's still a developing market, it is very developed. Um, And we've got a lot more infrastructure in South Africa, we've got the modern trade aspects, the, the big supermarket chains, we have consumers with more disposable income, um, but at the same time you don't get the high growth rates that you get when you're looking at countries like Nigeria and Kenya, which are very truly developing markets.
9: That was Brian Sun, Operations Manager for Africa at Nielsen's, reporting for Channel Africa. I'm Gantama Thangu in Johannesburg.
1: Your time is seventeen forty four Central African Time, right here on Africa Digest on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. It's time for economic news. Here's Vincent Matebula.
11: Good evening. US Secretary of State John Kerry has called the African Growth and Opportunity Act the cornerstone of the trade relationship between his country and South Africa. He was speaking at the conclusion of a biannual strategic dialogue with South Africa's International Relations Minister, Mai Tenguana Mashabane, where issues of regional security, trade and development, and public health were discussed. Kerry again reiterated the US view pushing for improved access for U.S. meat exports to South Africa.
5: The United States is really pleased that South Africa has seized the opportunity to export high-quality goods tariff-free to the United States. And in our discussions today, we talked about the need for improved access for U.S. exports of chicken, beef, and pork in order for South Africa to be able to best benefit fully from Magoa's generous trade preferences. That's the very definition of fair trade that would best serve the interests of all, including South African consumers.
11: South African asset manager Investex says first-half operating profit will be at $374 million US dollars This despite a slump of the South African rand. Revenue is expected to be marginally higher than a year earlier. The company expects impairments to be down 20%. Investex makes uh, most of its profit in South Africa, where the continent's most developed economy shrunk by 1.3% in the second quarter. And top officials of a global organization fighting to prevent illegal fishing in international waters have returned home from the Kenyan capital, Nairobi, where they presented an extensive report featuring illegal fishing on the Indian Ocean waters of Somalia. The report shows that notorious foreign fishing fleets in Somalia waters come from 13 countries in Europe, Asia, Africa and the Arab world. Secure Fisheries Associate Director Kaija Helbert explains.
5: So in Somalia we find that there are three times the number of foreign vessels fishing as IUU fishers in Somali waters than are of the domestic Somali fisheries fleet. They come from a number of different countries. The impact of this foreign fishing, of this foreign IUU fishing, is significant. You find that even though Somali waters are rated to be amongst the fourth most productive in the world, they are nearly 44% unsustainable. And this is largely to do with the foreign fishers, because three times the amount of fishing is conducted by them.
11: Nigerian Central Bank Governor Godwin Emefiele ruled out a Naira devaluation and told people not to panic about government shifting its bank accounts to the central bank. This move is likely to drain billions of dollars from the financial system. The policy is part of new President Mohamedou Buhari's drive to fight corruption. Analysts say it could suck up as much as 10% of banking sector deposits in Africa's biggest economy, hammering banks' liquidity ratios and the kenyan currency is trading at about the right level and its volatility should settle once the u.s decides whether to raise interest rates the shilling fell 14 percent this year to 106 shillings per dollar the currency has weakened as investors moved money to safer assets In anticipation of higher U.S. interest rates, slowing revenue from the country's top foreign exchange earners, which is agricultural exports and tourism, has contributed to weakness in the currency. The central bank has intervened and sold dollars to smoothen volatility in Kenya's foreign exchange markets. And finally, the Central Bank of Kenya will wait up until early next year before hiking interest rates again, having already loaded 300 basis points this year to bolster its currency and stave off inflation. The median forecast from the poll was for the benchmark rate to rise to 12% in the first quarter of next year. Kenyan Finance Minister Henry Rotic last month promised to cut the budget deficit to support the currency. The International Monetary Fund has praised Kenya's policy to date, saying the central bank has acted appropriately by tightening rates. And that's how it's looking.
1: It's time for Sports News. Here's Mosebudi Makura.
12: Good evening sports fans and starting off with rugby news. South African Springboks scrum doctor Peter De Villiers believes that the Japanese scrum is the most improved in world rugby and that the Asians will be a tough team to beat ahead of the Springboks Rugby World Cup opener on Saturday. De Villiers says it will be important for the Springboks to get off to a good start in the tournament while giving some of their players who have been injured enough time on the field.
9: Momentum. I think it's very important for us to get momentum, get a good start to the competition. Um, many of our players have been out with niggles. Uh, we haven't played for some time. So it's actually quite easy to find motivation for, for this game for our own purposes rather than concentrating on the on opposition.
12: Meanwhile, Springbok loose forward Sia Kolosi says there is a great atmosphere and an air of excitement in the team ahead of their game against Japan, and that all the players are eager to finally get on the field and play.
7: Um, the mood is very great in the camp. Everyone's excited. Um, you know, we we've just sort of put everything behind us. What happened in the previous games? Now we've just focused on this game against Japan. And obviously, the, most of the guys at needles and stuff. Everyone has been training full out, and all ready to play again. Everyone, everyone just wants to play on this coming weekend.
12: Now on to local football news: Ajax Cape Town and Kaizer Chiefs will square off in the MTN8 final at the Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium in Port Elizabeth this weekend in a contest that pits two form teams against each other Kaza Chiefs head coach Steve Gombella is slowly settling at Chiefs after taking over the reins from Englishman Stuart Baxter Gombella is on the brink of winning his first trophy in top flight football. He says he's aware that the club supporters demand nothing less than trophies He says the big support in Port Elizabeth will be a major factor
11: I think the beauty of being Kaza Chiefs is that wherever you go there's people who love you whether you go to KZN, whether you go to Limpopo, you go to Northwest, Eastern Cape, Western Cape, they will always be there to support you. The challenge is can you give them what they want? We hope to give them a good performance and a good result. Truly so Eastern Cape are very nice with us. They love the team. This team is just lovable. And let let's give them what they love.
12: Meanwhile, Kazichi's captain Simpiwe Shabalala says their aim is to defend their title come Saturday.
11: Yeah,
6: the expectations are high, you know, as, as uh, the defending champions, you know, for us to retain the trophy. And I think it's so far so good. Uh, we are on the right track. And this is the final hurdle that we need to overcome. And, you know, um, I trust that we will meet those expectations on Saturday.
12: And finally, Tennis News, Tennis South Africa has announced that Boland Tennis will be hosting three future events in November. The three events will be sponsored by Jeddakal and will run consecutively at the Marty's Tennis Club, the Kunsberg Sports Grounds, as well as the University of Stellenbosch. There will be the singles and doubles draws for both men and women. Leroux Conradi, the tournament director of the future events, says such tournaments are the first steps any professional tennis player needs to start a career
5: so futures is a starting point of a professional tennis player's career and um, we have to start there and if we can get as many as possible of them in the country uh, we will definitely uh, lay a good foundation for ourselves to get players through the system like a Kevin Anderson who did extremely well at the US Open in Wimbledon in this year so it's of the utmost importance
12: the Zion Sports News Anthem Sour stay tuned to Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance. This
0: is Africa Digest.
1: a Top Stories. The military in Burkina Faso takes to the airwaves confirming that a coup has taken place. South Sudan sanctioning its military chief will not help the peace process. In economics, Nigerian central bank governor rules out a Naira devaluation. And in sports, the world awaits the start of the 2015 Rugby World Cup. And that wraps up Africa Digest for this hour for myself, Kumele Lezondi. Producer, Luanda, Mom, my Technical Producer, Tfiso Mashicho and the rest of the Africa Digest team. Thank you very much for listening. For comments on the show, send us emails, info at channelafrica.co.za, info at channelafrica.co.za, on SMS we're on plus 27796957930, plus 27796957930. On Twitter, we are on channelafrica1. We leave you with Ngom Sopa Dando.